1: Well, the God we worship, who's the great judge of the earth, who has final end-time judgment in His hands, that God is in the kindness business toward you and your family. He loves you with a love that is so profound, He has poured infinite kindness on us in Jesus. He has emptied the bank account of kindness in Christ so that we would know the love of God.
2: Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Here now is Pastor Michael Tenko with the peace of
1: the gospel of God. It is today's Reaching Your Heart. Martin Luther King Jr. once spoke of peace in this way. Peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And I think that's pretty profound. What do you think? I mean, we do a lot to try and manufacture our own peace in life, and very often that doesn't happen. But when we come to Christ and we find the peace that endures, we got it. But you know, really, that which gets in the way of peace is the attitude of resentment. You ever had a resentment in your life that just overtook you and you just had a hard time dealing with it? And with it went your peace? You ever had that? Well, you know what? God is in the peacemaking business. He wants you to be at peace with Him and peace with each other. And so Martin Luther King Jr. hit it right on the nail. Peace can only come when light dispels darkness and love overcomes hate. So it is no accident that the gospel of God is called the gospel of peace in the Bible that overcomes hate and overcomes fear. Ephesians 6.15, a very important verse. We've read it very often. It says, "...having shod your feet with the equipment of the gospel of peace." I mean, so we need the gospel of peace to be going about the business of God and doing things for God in our life and also to be okay. So the two words that dominate the beginning of the apostolic epistles of Paul, other than God and Jesus Christ, so when you read these epistles, it starts with God and the Lord Jesus, are the two words grace and peace. Now, the Greek word grace is karis. You can say it after me. Pastor Mike, it's karis. Come on, practice. I'll give you an A for Greek if you do that. And it means unmerited favor from God. I mean, when we read John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, we are reading a verse that says, God poured on us in Jesus unmerited favor. He poured a whole heap of love on us. This word can also mean kindness in that sense. God's kindness has been poured out on us in Jesus. Have you ever had someone treat you unkindly? I'm sure you have. Have you ever been unkind to somebody? No, Pastor Mike, I've never been unkind. You have been. Okay, let's just face it. When someone's kind to us, doesn't it feel like awesome and good? Imagine how it feels when you're kind to someone else. Well, the God we worship, who's the great judge of the earth, who has final end-time judgment in his hands, that God is in the kindness business toward you and your family. He loves you with a love that is so profound, he has poured infinite kindness on us in Jesus. He has emptied the bank account of kindness in Christ so that we would know the love of God. Peace follows kindness in the divine economy as he has emptied heaven's storehouse with his love. Kindness is there, but peace follows kindness. Grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture speaks to us in clarion tones today. Romans 1-7. Here we have it. The great introduction of the book of Romans in part. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The same thing is said in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Another epistle of Paul. Galatians 1 3. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord jesus christ and it doesn't end there philippians 1 2 colossians 1 2 1 thessalonians 1 verse 1 second thessalonians 1 2 1 timothy 1 2 second timothy 1 2 titus 1 4 philemon 1 3 do you think paul's trying to make a point here the gospel of god friend is the gospel of god's peace of grace kindness mercy love and peace poured on us in jesus And Paul is not the only one who says it because it is not Paul who's really saying it. We don't believe the word of God is the word of man. We believe the word of God is the word of God, the testimony of Jesus. And so Christ speaks through the Scriptures. And so he says, grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. That is God's heart speaking to us from the Scripture again and again. Peter joins the chorus of the Gospel of God because Paul didn't come up with this. 1 Peter 1-2, 2 2 Peter 1-2, but look at 2 Peter 1-2. He does a little better than Paul. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I like addition, but I prefer multiplication. I'd rather have a whole lot of grace and peace in my life than just a little added here and there. And so Peter says, may he multiply it to you. May he make that exponential curve go up and out of sight so you can know that you are saved. Sounds like Martin Luther King Jr. here. Peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Peter says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You know, it's no accident, Jesus said in John seventeen three, that this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. We need the knowledge of God, which is the gospel of God, the truth that sets us free from hatred, that sets us free to live for God, that places us on eagle's wings to live forever. The knowledge of the gospel of God brings peace into our lives. John agrees with Peter here and affirms Paul as well. Look at 2 John 1 verse 3. Grace, mercy, and peace be with us. Not just me or you, but with us. From God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I want peace, but I want to have a lot of love and I want to have truth as well, and that's how we get it. Some people say the gospel is in Paul. You ever hear that? You say, Well, you know, Paul preached the gospel. It's in the gospels, yeah, but that prophecy stuff, it doesn't have much to do about the gospel. Now, there's some people saying that in our own ranks. And they show that they're utterly ignorant of the Scriptures when they teach this kind of thing. Because there's no difference in the book of Revelation than there is in Paul, Peter, and John. The Gospel moves throughout the entire Bible and it is brilliantly proclaimed in the book of Revelation. Look at Revelation 1 verse 4. The introduction to the book of Revelation is Pauline in the sense that it's about grace and peace. John, he writes, to the seven churches that are in Asia... Grace to you, how does it read? Grace to you and and peace from him who is and who was and is to come. The title for God, the Father, the Pentakrator, the Almighty, the holder of all things. From the seven spirits who are before his throne. The word seven here in Greek means complete spirit, the entire spirit of God. That is the Holy Spirit like the menorah stick, the seven lights that burned upon it, one candlestick. The Holy Spirit pictured as seven spirits. And then the third person of the Trinity, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, that means martyr, he died for our sins, the firstborn of the dead, and then the text continues, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who, now what's the tense there in the verb? Past tense or present tense? Does it say to the him who loved us or loves us? Hey, friend... Christ didn't just love you at the cross. He keeps on loving you all the days of your life. To him who loves us. Now here's what he did in the past. And it's rooted in time. as the great objective fact that you can plant your future on and know you're okay with God. He has freed us from our sins by his blood. That makes me Shiver. Because that is the truth I need when I face the specter of my own failure. I need to know that what Christ did was good enough that it got it done. And he keeps on loving me in light of what he did. So most of the New Testament epistles are dominated by the introduction of grace and peace from God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's good news in and of itself. That is what permeates the message that the world needs most dearly. Friend, God has not placed you in this world to be at war with God. God has not so determined that your life must be a tragic motif so that you will not have the peace of God in your life. God has not placed burdens on your life that should take away the peace of God from your life. God is not content for you to learn about this fact or that fact in the Bible and yet miss the great truth of the Bible that God in Christ has reconciled you to Himself, that God in Christ has made peace with your sins, that God in Christ has come to you with grace and peace. Friend, it is the will of God for you to know that there is love for you in the heart of God. know as I get older I am getting a little older not much just a little bit yeah you're laughing that makes the preacher feel real good I'm just kidding look as I get older I'm getting tired of hearing religious foolish talk that does not address the deepest need of the heart and soul I have needs And you have needs. And I want my needs to be met when I come to church. Things don't have to be perfect in church for me. What has to be here is the Holy Spirit. is the love of God. is the reconciling power of the Savior. A place where I, every week, can find Jesus a little closer and others can too. And that's what it's about. The rest is commentary. But you know what? It doesn't have to be perfect, does it? What has to be here is the Son of God. Where two or three are gathered, there the Lord is. So I'm tired of religious foolish talk that doesn't get to the heart of the problem. Friend, God did not send Jesus to this planet to make us all smart theologian types. That's not why we come to church, to have a forum of seeing how smart we can look to everybody else. God did not send Jesus here so we can be more correct than someone else in another church. That's not why we're here. And God did not lead His Son to the cross so we can be cross with one another and at war with Him in a bellicose kind of way of religion, acting religious, being argumentative, that does not feel, that doesn't care, that doesn't have the heart of God beating in that religion. God sent His Son to love us and thereby to pour the Holy Spirit on us so that by the gospel of God we could learn to love and thus keep his law.
2: You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Tanko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again.
1: God sent Jesus. You know, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You cannot get better than that verse. It captures the first angel's message of the apocalypse, the everlasting gospel. It is the core and content of what will become the third angel's message in Revelation 14 because the everlasting gospel will be linked with the Sabbath truth at the end of time. Why? Because the Sabbath is the sign and seal of the everlasting covenant of God's law, the promise that gave us the gospel, that gave us Christ. And so the gospel is a gospel of rest and of peace. And so we cannot separate Jesus from what we need. This morning I want to focus on how to get that peace of God that comes only through the gospel of God. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another to make it very clear. And I would first like to start in 1 Corinthians 15, to 4 which spells out the gospel of God in the plainest terms. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now, Paul is writing here, he's being very clear and direct. Now, I would remind you, brethren. You know, there are times we have to be reminded as to what is the most important thing in church. I would remind you, brethren, in what terms I preach to you the gospel, which you received, in which you stand, by which you are... How does the text read? You're saved. In other words, if you hang on to the gospel, you are saved. Not maybe, not could be, definitely saved. I like that. You know, I don't want to go to church and be lost. Do you? How many want to be saved? I mean, practical here. Want to be saved? I want to be saved. All right, by which you are saved. Now, here's the condition. If you hold it fast, unless you believed in vain. So it's possible to let the gospel go. It's possible to trade it for something cheap, philosophical, it doesn't work, something that's engineered by men. Dear heart, don't do that. Hang on to the gospel. So here Paul teaches us that we're saved by holding on to that gospel. The church here is in the business of preaching and teaching the gospel because the gospel of God is the only way for men and women to be saved. What good is church if you don't get saved in church? What good is religion? If you're lost and you're religious... So the early church received the gospel with a grateful heart. They said, thank you, Lord, for the gospel. They stood for the gospel with courage. They died for the gospel. And they learned that they must share the gospel so that other people could be saved. They weren't static. They were active. It wasn't about their needs being met once they found Christ. It was about sharing Christ. And they held it fast, and it's that basic. We must hold on to the gospel and share it with others. Paul says all that in two verses. And then in verse 3, he tells us what the gospel is, so there will be no confusion in the church concerning the exact nature of the gospel. Now, we have all kinds of theories out there as to what the gospel is. You have the satisfaction theory in theology. You have the moral influence theory, which is very popular, especially in the medical community. But friend, you know the only gospel that saves you is the one he's getting ready to tell you about right here. Because it's very clear, it's very direct, and it's life transforming. It is so simple and yet so profound, and it is what the world needs. Verse 3. He says, for I deliver to you as of first importance. Now when something is of first importance, it means you better not make something else more important than that point. This is where it's at. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Now, that statement's critical as well. He's saying, I didn't come up with this stuff. I didn't engineer this stuff. I didn't go to theology school or rabbinical school and learn this. I got this from Christ. This is what it's about. The first and most important thing. Now, what does the Bible say next? That Christ died for our sins. Let that just come into you. Here are your sins... The great barrier that would keep you from eternity. God cannot set aside His holy law. God cannot just be soft on sin and say it doesn't matter or the universe would fall apart. So how did He do it? He came in Christ. He dealt with every single sin we have ever committed in the mind of a human being. As Christ became the sin bearer. Peter says that he bore in his body on the cross our sins. Now sins aren't some static, you know, idea out there. You know what they are because you can remember them. They bother you when you think about them. Friends, they went through Jesus' mind one at a time from Gethsemane to the cross until he had lived the entire life of the human race from Adam to the end. And when he was done... He had atoned for it. He had dealt with it. He had made it his own so that we would not be glued to our sins. That's why the book of Revelation says he has loosed us from our sins. He has disconnected us from the psycho-identity of what those sins are in our memories. Why? Because Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. The Bible teaches this. And I will never tire of teaching this because it's the heart and core of the Bible's teaching. Paul states that this is numeral uno for you and me in the gospel of God. The most important truth for your life, period, is right there looking at you. The core fact that God uses to save you, that keeps angels from sinning. Now look, angel perfection was not enough to keep the angels from sinning. You know what? You know what keeps them from sinning? We have been told by the hand of inspiration it is the contemplation of the cross of Christ that keeps sinless beings sinless. We need the cross of Christ. God forbid that we should glory Seventh-day Adventist Christians in anything but the cross of Christ by which the world has been crucified to us and us to the world. And our prophetic proclamation must flow out of what Jesus has done for us and the world. The core fact that God uses to save you and me is a good truth. It's the solid truth. We cannot improve upon it. But if you hold on to it with a sincere heart, you will be saved, not might be saved. You will be saved. Your children will be saved. Your family will be saved. The second and third part of the gospel, they follow after the first in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 4. That he, Jesus, was buried... That he was raised on the third day in the course of the scriptures. So look at it. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ here is identified as the content of the apostolic gospel of God. So, what's going on here? We know Jesus died for our sins. That's the most important piece. He took our place. And don't let anyone talk you out of that and say, oh, that's pagan. It's not. Because God offered himself in Christ, he didn't offer someone else. He satisfied his own sense of justice by suffering for us in Christ. He didn't put someone else out there to suffer. Jesus died for us. Romans 4.25 Christ was put to death for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Romans 4.25 Now just look at this verse. He was put to death for what? What does it say? Now that agrees with 1 Corinthians 15, doesn't it? He was raised for our what? justification. So we have the two key point components here. The Greek says literally he was handed over for our trespasses. The Greek word is paradidomi. It's used three times in Romans 1 and when it's used there it means that God handed people over to the consequences of their sin and it's defined as the wrath of God. So God's wrath is defined by Paul as him handing people over to the choices they have made The sinful outcomes they have made, it's not passive as some would say, he actively hands them over to their sins and thus they bear what they have chosen. That is the wrath of God. So here's the point. Christ was handed over not for his trespasses, he was handed over for our trespasses. You see, the wrath of God, which is God's judgment on sin, his righteous love for good, his hatred of evil, did not fall on us, it fell on him. He chose that so we could be separated from the outcome of our sins. He was handed over for our trespasses. Now, what does the next phrase say? He was raised for our justification. Now, that word justification is a very important word in the Greek language. It means legal acquittal. Christ was handed over so that we could be legally acquitted, declared not guilty. I don't know about you, every now and then I mess up. You can say amen. It's all right. I do. My wife is very careful to make sure certain things happen right at the house. If I don't get my vitamins in the morning, sometimes I willfully disobey because I don't like the taste of them. You ever done that? She says, honey, you have been disobedient about taking those vitamins. And you know, you feel like uh, not too good when you do that. Or if you leave your socks out. Gentlemen, you ever leave your socks out? I think I'm the only real man in this whole place. I leave my socks out every now and then. She said, like, honey, pick up those socks. Oh, I'm so sorry. Now, how many of those I sorry's do we have in life? that are small, a lot, right? But every now and then we have a huge alley, which is big. I really did mess up. Friend, God has in Christ forgiven us and declared us not guilty if we have Jesus. Now, that does not mean that it's okay to sin, but let's affirm the fact that we are justified, declared not guilty because of Jesus. Romans 5.1, the outcome of this. What flows out of this fact? You see, when God declares us legally acquitted because Christ died for us, He is then raised for our acceptance or justification, our legal acquittal. What is the outcome in our life when we have faith in Christ? Here it is. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, What is the tense of the verb, past or present? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Peace is not the outcome of your life. Peace doesn't happen when all the answers are in place. Peace doesn't happen when you're sanctified enough to have it. Peace happens when you have Christ. And in the journey of having Christ, you will be sanctified. But peace is with you on the road of justification because you've been legally acquitted. You've been brought close to the heart of God by the gift of Christ. Now, this is what the Reformers taught. Some people say, well, you know, we stand for the Reformation. Then they teach something other than what the Reformers taught. The Reformers taught that we are saved by faith in Christ alone. And they would not surrender that. They went to the stake and they died in the flames for that fact, and we, as seventh-day Adventist Christians, must not surrender the fact that Christ and Christ alone is our righteousness. By faith we attain it, not by works. That was the heart and core of the Reformation teaching. It is for us to affirm as well that therefore, Romans five verse one is based on the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that He was raised for our legal acquittal, our justification, our acceptance. So when you believe in Jesus Christ, that He is Lord and Savior in your life, when you believe and you really do have faith in Him, not the fake kind of faith that often finds its ways into churches, confidence in Him as your Savior, you are justified by faith, not guilty. You know, pinch yourself. That means you're off the hook. It does. It means you don't go to the judgment day. It means you don't go to the flames of the glory of God, which will interact with every person's sin at the end of the millennium. No! It means you go to glory, you live with Christ, you worship, you become a child of eternity. The Greek has a very special nuance. It literally says being justified out of faith. And the source of the faith that justifies is Jesus, the faith of Christ.
2: Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Tanko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered, biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenco. That's Reaching your yourheart.com 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart.